PGA Tour events, including the 2002 Masters Tournament, the U.S. Open, the Bay Hill Invitational, the Buick Open, the American Express World Golf Championship. All right, all right. <laughs> Welcome into Pro Golf Podcast, episode number five. I think we are. Depends if we count the Masters preview special as a as a legitimate podcast or that was not. Four point five. Four point five. Five point oh coming at you now. Uh, a Masters recap as uh, it just concluded here over this past weekend, and there was a moment there where, like I said on Twitter, somebody hacked my Twitter account. <laughs> there was a moment where somebody somebody thought that that Masters wasn't going to deliver on drama. It was about midway through the back nine, about the time Sergio Garcia had plunked one into the woods and into the hazard on hole number 13. Lo and behold, the Masters delivered, Brandon. He did, back nine. It never fails. It's unbelievable. It never, never fails. And we had a lot of fun today watching this. Yeah, it was a it was a great Masters. And it, I think what my frustration was as it got to that point on the back nine was that the hopes of the fans watching on Sunday morning was that this was going to deliver in a way that no Masters ever had. Rose and Garcia in the final group, just in front of them, Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth, just in front of them, local boy Ryan Moore, in front of them, Masters winners, Adam Scott, Charles Schwartzel. I mean, it was set up to be an incredible Sunday afternoon. And for the longest time, it was just kind of meh. It was just kind of going along. And, and there wasn't anything too dramatic about it. But that all changed. It could have been an all-timer. For me, though, the Masters doesn't start until the back nine. <laughs> for you. For everybody. The back nine. Everybody. And for you're the... freaking out on me on the front nine. It was already in the back nine at that yeah. point. I, I think that the front nine really didn't produce anything. No. I mean, it showed us that our, that our pick, Phil, was not going to make no. a move. And I tuned in at number 10 and just like, oh, right. We got nine holes. <laughs> yeah. We got nine holes to watch this. And I'm sitting right next to you. And you're not you're not calling out your tweets, and I'm I'm falling right next to you, and all of a sudden you throw out that blasphemous, <laughs> weak sauce. Masters is not going to deliver on the back nine on Sunday tweet. It ended with the sad, uh, the tweet ended sad exclamation point. I think the POTUS might have got a hold of our Twitter handle. He yeah. might have been he might have been tweeting from Mar Lago about the the Masters. We had a lot of fun. We're hanging out, having uh, having a beer, watching the TV. We're high fiving. I mean, this slamming. I, I mean, slamming the bar on the top of the bar where we were at because it was getting that good down the stretch. Sort of thrown in there off the radar too was Matt Kuchar decided to go all crazy on us. <laughs> oh my! Birdie, birdie, birdie. Oh. Threw in a par and then just followed it up because he didn't make a, the fourth consecutive birdie. Threw an ace in there on sixteen. And and you're not you're. You're not taking credit, but you called it out. I said you Babe Ruth this. I said he could really use an ace here. <laughs> and it hits the green, and I look up. I see it. I was like, oh, it's going to be tight. That, no way did I think it was going in. That's my hole, too, that we talked about in our ma in our Masters preview. I said 16 is something about the way that, that ridge sort of bisects the green from front to back instead of from side to side. 
He threw it in there, caught the ridge, back it comes. Oh, Master Sunday on 16? In the hunt. In the hunt. And then the coolest part about it, doesn't even think about it, pulls out a Sharpie, signs the ball, walks it over to the kid. Unbelievable. And th- that goes, that speaks a little bit to Kuchar and how kind of everybody describes him as just almost a comically nice guy. You know, just with the smile. Way too genuine. Yeah. <laughs> People were criticizing him in jest because he hit a drive earlier in the week that he didn't like. And he said, oh, rats on the tee box. I mean, the guy's just, you know, he's just a wholesome, he's a throwback, really. But when you're that age, you've been playing on the PG Tour, you've played Augusta that many times. What does that ball do for you on your mantle? Certainly, it wouldn't be nice to sit up there on your mantle, but... I mean, think about what it means to the kid that got it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's get to it. Sergio Garcia, Justin Rose, a two-man duel down the stretch. For a long time, I think you and I both wanted it to be more than a two-man duel. We wanted wanted Fowler to do something. Spieth to put himself out a long time before. We had slim hopes maybe that Ryan Moore sitting at three under could maybe do something. But it became apparent it was just a two-horse race. Yeah, and that's the tough thing is that you always think, especially with those couple those couple last groups with 13 and 15 and 16 and 12, there's a couple chances for eagle. Absolutely. So anybody that makes an eagle on a hole, if you're sitting at that 300 number, could be right back in it. Yeah. And it just didn't deliver. But what did deliver yeah. is the guy – Who's never won a major? The guy that we we feel like he's been around for so long, and yet he's 37 years old. Because he was such a phenom at 19 years old, Sergio Garcia, and, and how many times he's been in position to try and win his first major. And it's just been the same story on a loop. Can't deliver on Sunday at a major and it sure seemed like the same script was being followed when he hit into the trees on 13. And then right there, it everything changed. When he somehow made par and Rose hit it onto the green in two, and yet he made par, it was game on. You could feel Garcia made his first putt the entire day, and it buoyed him all the way through the end of regular 18 holes of play on Sunday. All they could talk about yesterday was how good he putted. Garcia. It seemed yeah, Garcia. He seemed like he he was in control of the putter blade. He was making the putts that he normally missed, that he would normally he would flounder a little bit on Saturday to keep himself just outside yep. of contention. Yep. Today, starting the round, and you even said it, he wasn't dedicated. He wasn't firm with he it. He wasn't putting the ball as if he wanted to make it. He was he was wishing the ball towards the hole. And I think anybody that's played golf knows that feeling. If you get on the wrong side or you get a delicate little putt or you just, frankly, you haven't made a score, you know, and you just want to get yourself in for par or, you know, or in our case, maybe get yourself in for a bogey. You, sometimes you just kind of ugh, the ball towards the hole. That's not how you make putts. No. You need to make putts by committing to the stroke, getting the ball rolling online. And Garcia wasn't doing that early in the round. No, he wasn't. And it's tough. It's tough at Augusta. If <laughs> you're, you know, you, you're trained and, you know, you read any book and it says you want to hit the ball 14 inches to 18 inches past the hole. Well, at Augusta, you don't want to do that. Yeah. There's a die-in, and there's like, I want it as close as possible. Right. Where you can't be that aggressive, but... 
the stroke just wasn't there. Yeah. It felt like, okay, we're going to see the Sergio of old yep. again. Um, almost, I love Sergio. Yeah. I feel Do like, you? I feel like, <laughs> I feel like in golf, he is my spirit animal. Wow. I, I can see that actually knowing you and kind of the way you play and Sergio, his persona. I've never in my life uttered the words, come on, Sergio. And I probably did it three times today just because I thought he was a more compelling story than Justin Rose winning. Justin Rose winning didn't do anything to me. No. But Sergio winning, and he makes birdie on 14. He makes eagle on 15. He kind of fanned a little putt again on 16. <laughs> but he answered back again uh, by making par on 17. Again, 18 a little shaky. But he ends up winning it. Because Rose couldn't drive it straight on 18 in the playoff. Garcia did put himself in position, and he canned a birdie to win it in style in the playoff. The playoff hole was Sergio. Absolutely. Straight drive, great iron shot. Yep. Got close enough that he had he had the percentage on his side yep. to make the putt. Yeah. Freed him um, up. I think the fact that Rose was only in for bogey freed him up to stroke that putt with a lot more confidence. I I had a really good time. It was a great. I can't remember. Yeah. I mean, I like Spieth winning, and you know, watching Spieth collapse wasn't my favorite moment watching the Masters, but but I had a really good time today. Yeah, I think you know when we do look back at the the, the history of the Masters, I do think this is gonna be one that will stand the test of time. That. I mean, it's not it's not going to be a top three Masters. You know, those are reserved for certain special occasions. Tigers first, uh, Jacks last. Um, those ones, you know, really, but it is a really stand out. But it's a landmark victory for because Sergio Garcia. Because he, he's a player who has been touted for a long time. And he's only 37 years old. So what do we think? Do we think Phil Mickelson took a long time to win his first major and the floodgates did open up. I mean, five is actually quite a few majors, which is what Phil has at this point. Do you think that Sergio can get to that, not just one or two, do you think he can get to that three, four, five number? I, Does he have enough time? I'm, I think he has enough time. I think I'm going to have a really hard time not picking him for the British Ooh. for the next, for this year, obviously, yeah. because he's been so close and because it is, you know, it's a European, that is their major. He's been close there it before. It is the Open. Yeah, he's probably been closest there before. At Carnucci. They're, sh they're showing highlights, you know, and um, I think that my gut feeling is three. Yeah. So I talked to I talked to um, a guy who's been around the golf world for a long time. His name's Sal Johnson. He writes for GolfStats.com. It's a really nice website. Got a ton of information. And Sal said about Sergio, and I'm not this. I'm not trying to be. Um, I'm not trying to use hyperbole here. He said Sergio is a changed man because of love. Love has changed Sergio Garcia's life. It's a corny as hell storyline to take, but. In some ways, with Sergio, I think it makes some sense. He is always sort of a petulant attitude. Spitting in cups. Spitting in cups, blaming people, raking bunkers, blaming flag sticks. He had just such the wrong idea. And yet, maybe just a like love, if he could, he could find a little piece off the golf course and bring it to the golf course, I think it showed itself a little bit this week. Well, and to roll into our next quick topic, though. DJ's in the same boat. Yeah, DJ is in. He uh, he took his hiatus. Mm -hmm. He comes back. He's engaged. Now he has a kid. Pauline is knocked up again. He has that in his life. 
Same can't always be said. Tiger didn't didn't work out so well. No love in Tiger's life. <laughs> didn't work out. That wasn't true love. So no. apparently. But uh, let's talk about DJ. Okay. Let's talk about the infamous stairs. Three steps. Yeah. Give yeah. me give me three steps. Oh my gosh. He yeah. He, what a way to start the week. Missed the yeah. Uh, that was Golf Channel who carries the kind of before coverage coverage of of the Masters before they go to network coverage. You know, they had him on the range on Thursday, and man, that was their dream scenario was, oh my gosh, if we could get somehow capture DJ on the range. I mean, I'm sure they, this sounds sick to say, but I'm sure they were, the producers were like, oh, if we could get him wincing in agony on the driving range and, and withdrawing from the masters, that would be gold. Well, they they practically got it. Uh, aside from the wincing and going down in agony, you could see him warming up. He just he just didn't have it. And I thought I thought he gave a really honest yeah. um, interview yep. that just said, "Hey, it was a freak accident. I was in my socks. It wasn't some huge flight of stairs." He even har- he even said it would have been better if I just would have slid down some stairs. But it was three stairs. He you know basically. Ass over tea kettle. Freak, and, and, freak uh, accident. Yeah. Total freak accident. So it's tough. Um, you wonder, yeah. because of the state of his game, where he would have been positioned in yeah. this major. And you think that he would have been right there in those top, you know, two or three groups. And it may have changed. We'll never know. Yeah. We'll have to wait till yeah. next year. And, so. and it, you know, he said it in his press conference, it sucks for him because he's been he's playing the best golf of his entire life you want your chance to win a major to win a green jacket when you're playing your best golf you just don't get those chances to win green jackets every single year you need to be playing your best and dj felt like he was undoubtedly the results say he was playing the best golf of his career and he just uh it just didn't get the opportunity which is a little sad but in a couple other ones that uh, a couple other key shots that i took away one, because I picked hole one as one of my favorite holes, the Danny Willett shank. Oh, to start the week. Oh, man. Welcome Just, back. And I watched it on loop because I thought it was <laughs> it was glorious. The other one today that happened, John Rahm. John Rahm had a, yeah, John Rahm had a chip shot there on Sunday at the backside of number 13. And it was an incredible chip. But sometimes even more so, it's when the ca- the camera can capture a certain moment. The reaction. Yeah, you, you think about the shot that Tiger hit on 16, right? This isn't. This certainly wasn't at the same level, but the the camera captures something. John Ron's chip took so long to get to the hole. There was five good seconds where I would maintain. Rom didn't know whether he hit a good chip or a bad chip. He was trying to decide from the back of the green. And that was the cool thing about the replay. Yeah. Is that we watched it in real time and we're like, it went in. It went incredible. And we're having a great time. And then they show the replay and there was literally five different emotional states <laughs> for each second for John Rom. He looked at his caddy. He looked back. He moved a few steps forward. Get a four, better angle at it. He moved a few steps left to try and get a better line and a better view of how his ball was going to react to the slope. And then all of a sudden, flashback again. He moves again. He's he's feeling it. Yeah. It's going to be close. You can see and it. And then it drops. Yeah, he's pointing. He's pointing for it to go in. It was a it was an incredible shot, an incredible camera angle. Very cool moment. Well, before we get to our picks for the upcoming weeks, let's talk about our own golf experience, which we don't want to bore you too much. We know, you know, hearing golf stories isn't all that great, but we've got a good one. And we've actually put our first round together at the, you know, you opened your season last week at Chambers. Cha- Chambers. Yeah. And, and then, then you yeah. followed it up with Foster's. 
Foster's. <laughs> Foster's. From Foster's. the penthouse to the basement. Foster's is the beer. It's just Foster. Foster is International. Foster? Foster International. Right, I think some well. people call it Foster Golf and Country Club. Uh, a beautiful municipal course down in Tukwila, Washington. But we went out there. Played together with a friend of ours who's just picking up the game, trying to get more into it, who's probably been playing golf for about four years. His name's Tim, and uh, Tim is getting a big shout-out on this podcast because, well, frankly, he deserves it because we got to the 11th hole at Foster. Over the Green River, par 3, 120 yards. Guy that's been playing for four years, shoots under 100 on a, on a good day. Ace. Jars it. Oh, it was incredible. It was. It was exactly that. I mean, we've talked about it for the last week now, about 120, pitch and wedge, ball sails right over the top of the flag, little backstop, Yep. starts Suck just it back. coming back, disappears behind the flag in the hole. I probably played 250 more rounds than Tim in my life, I'd guess. Maybe more. Maybe 300 more rounds in yeah. my life. And. In looking back at it, I feel like, boy, yeah, there's reason for me to be upset. Like, how did he get one before I got one? But in the moment, I wasn't upset at all. And that's no joke. Like, it was just, it was exhilarating. It was so cool to see the ball just disappear. You can't be mad. No. Because it is. It's one of those, it's it's the unicorn moment on a golf course. I had one. I don't know, it was a handful of years ago. So I don't honestly feel bad because Because you've had it. Yeah. The monkey's off my shoulder. But I've been a part of this is the third one I've been a part of, including my own, and they don't get old. No. Especially I, the free drinks. I couldn't imagine that they get old. And yeah, it was a Saturday afternoon. We didn't really plan on drinking, but you know, hey, yeah, somebody else is buying. That is true. And, you know, liquid on Tim and uh yeah, big ups to Tim and it's just it's it's a cool moment that you'll never forget. No matter what course, who it is, being a part of a hole in one, it's just one of those really, really cool and special moments and and uh fortunately for us it was for our good friend Tim. He's buoyed by that. I think that's gonna carry him into his next five, ten, twenty golf rounds this year, however much he plays this year, he'll be buoyed by by that experience out of Foster. Or Fosters, if you will. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the picks. For this week, first, let's rehash our picks from the Masters because we gave you Phil, we gave you a lefty as our mutual pick, which should have been a telltale sign that it wasn't going to go good <laughs> for Phil. Yeah, yeah, I should have. I should have had a game time decision and switched mine up, but we went with it. He had a pretty good Thursday and Friday, and his actually his Saturday and Sunday started off exactly the same. Two under through two, both Saturday and Sunday. And he double bogeyed three both days. He was just a non-factor in the weekend. Yeah, high hopes and always rooting for the guy, and especially this week, you know, being being that he was our pick, and we're we're trying to do our uh, our listeners proud here yeah. with uh, with our locks. But I'm uh, I'm holding strong with yeah. my dark horse. Thomas Peters was a very nice pick by you. I had Daniel Berger as my dark horse, who wouldn't have been a bad pick. I mean, he finished, I think, in the top 30, made the cut, had a decent weekend, just got off to a bad start. But it doesn't hold a candle to your Thomas Peters pick. The one thing you you may notice was that we didn't pick DJ. Because we had inside information. It wasn't right to share it, but you know, we actually we knew the guy who waxed the hardwood floor at the house DJ was staying at. He told us he thought he put an extra coat on the floor of wax. It turns out 
boy, it was good to have that info because DJ didn't even tee it up. Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely the truth. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's an unfortunate event uh, yeah. for for DJ, especially. And in my mind, when I when I heard about it, I'm thinking flight of stairs. Yeah, and he comes back and says, "No, it was three stairs." Yeah. And it sounds like he's actually pretty good to go. I think the reports on Sunday afternoon was that he was actually feeling a lot better. Just you could see him, man. That li- that coverage on live from uh, on the golf when channel. he's getting in the golf cart. Yeah, you could that just, was a telltale. Yeah, he just knew he just wasn't going to be able to do it. So unfortunately, he couldn't give it a go. So let's get to our picks for the next couple of weeks. It's tough to get two jacked up after the masters but rbc heritage which is at a really cool course there um right on the water a really cool finishing hole uh, it seems like matt kuchar is always in contention here he had a great end to his masters but who you got for the rbc heritage i'm taking sneds he's uh he's done southern boy he's done the uh the, the red plaid <laughs> the tartan, tartan jacket, jacket. Yeah. Uh, i think more than once here but uh yeah hilton head always provides yeah. And uh, fingers crossed, weather looks good. Um, you know, lighthouse in the background coming down 18. Sure. Really cool and tough finishing hole, but uh, always look forward to this tournament. I'm going to go with – I do I do too because it's a, it's a really nice – it's a beautiful layout. I mean, it's, it's a different kind of beautiful than Augusta is, but it's it certainly is picturesque. I'm going to go with uh, William McGirt, uh, somebody who played well at the Masters this week. Um, I think that might give him a little bit of confidence. He's He's – played well at the heritage before so mr mcgirt william mcgirt is my pick for the rbc heritage that's a first for uh the uh mcgirt bandwagon though <laughs> there has never been a mcgirt bandwagon up until You're this point it. i You're just did it. founding member all right after rbc we've got the valero texas open tpc san antonio side of kevin Nas, infamous ah actually Blech. infamous God. 12 or 15 or 14. i don't even remember what it was um, but <laughs> that YouTube clip of him <laughs> trying to count up what he made, that's classic. Cause we've all been, we've all been there before. <laughs> I think my favorite part of that, when he's recounting, he goes four, five, I whiffed five, I whiffed. <laughs> yeah. And then so, five jumps to eight. Yeah. And yeah. So, terrible. Uh, anyways, Valero, Texas opens TPC San Antonio. I, uh, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Kevin Chapel. I'm kind of getting on this theme here of guys that played a little bit well at the Masters. Um, Chapel had a pretty decent uh, four days at Augusta. So and he's again he's played well at uh, at San, TPC San Antonio before. So I'll go with Kevin Chapel. I'm going. I'm also following your lead. He's a this is always an emotional pick. Is Ryan Moore? Oh. So obviously had a really good show. Really good, yeah. Um, at Augusta, you know, Sunday wasn't su- Sunday. Obviously, didn't follow suit to what he did on Saturday. Saturday, he looked like he was going to be right there in the yeah. top three, four groups. Um, and again, it shows Sunday at the Masters not easy. No, um, even for Took even the, for Ryan Moore, who's the very a best of them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so I'm uh, I'm picking uh, I'm picking hometown. He he's won a tournament. Each of the last three years. Now, usually he wins in the shoulder season. That's his. That's his money maker. <laughs> uh-huh. But I'm. Uh, I'm hoping that he uh, he pulls through early this year, and uh, maybe we can get a couple wins underneath his belt, and not just uh, not just a French fry. So our picks: RBC Heritage. Brandon has Snedeker. I've got William McGirt at the Valero Texas Open. I've got Kevin Chapel. Brandon has got Ryan Moore. A little bit of local ties with both of those picks there at the Valero Texas Open. 
Tune in for our next episode of the Pro Golf Podcast. We'll be coming at you in a couple of weeks. We'll preview the Zurich. I'm actually really looking forward to that because I am too. Team, team competition for first, the first time. First time in a long time. I'm not sure if it's in our lifetime it's ever happened, but um, we'll look ahead to that. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Pro Golf Pod. Email us podcast at progolfseattle.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. For Justin, I'm Brandon. Take care.